Statewide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds. The free casino games make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you with another edition of the press conference pod. Is that what we're calling these ones now? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. works, right? Uh, today we heard from Patrick Alvin and Rick Tockett. A lot to get to, J-Pat. So for those of you that didn't hear uh, the presser, well, you're going to hear it here. And there was, you know, a lot of good stuff from the, the general manager and from the head coach as well. But we'll dive deep into Patrick Alvin here to start. And, you know, it's been a trying season. We all know that. But it's kind of a tale of two seasons, uh, if you will, uh, with the Canucks. Patrick Alvin just thought, asked uh, at the presser today what his general thoughts on the season were. You're right. Uh, it's not fun to sit here again as early. Uh, I think it was two part of the season. Um, really excited how we finish up here. Uh, with just with the mindset of the players and the coaching staff, uh, the communication uh, within the group, uh, the structure, uh, the details we were able to play with, uh, improving our practice habits, um, seeing that there is, uh, you know, same. We're on the same page in Vancouver and down in Abbotsford, and and watching some of the younger players develop down in Abbotsford, and and some of the younger players getting a chance to showcase himself up here in in Vancouver was important for us the second half. So, um, in the end of the day, it, it's it's for me being here a year now, a year and a half. It's a step forward. Um, uh, again, I think the players uh, understand how we going to have the culture and the standard moving forward. So um, the exit meetings here was very positive, and, and I think the players understand what it takes for them to be prepared for training camp. So it's a big summer for, for, for all the players. Yeah, and a lot of that is sort of coming off of everything that they were disappointed in when Bruce was sort of running things. They didn't like the way the structure was. There was apparently a lack of communication between uh, management and the head coach as well. So you can see why he went to – the. Uh, talk about all of that, but at the same time, too, like we're sort of back where we were last year as well. And again, I think one of the biggest things that some of the people are saying to us on Twitter is that you know, talk is a little bit cheap right now. And it is. Uh, ultimately, they've got to get this thing moving in the right direction on the ice, and that's where they're going to be judged. But like I saw people were freaking out on Twitter about, oh, he didn't say anything. He spoke for an hour and he didn't say anything. Like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to how these year end uh, availabilities work. The general manager doesn't show up with a PowerPoint presentation for the media of all of his secrets and reveal all the plans. That's not how it goes. So I thought that like when I left that room and it was nice to be back in that room for yeah. a, a press conference like that one, my sense is that Patrick Alvin's not BSing. Like he understands that there is still a ton of work to do for this hockey club. Now, the challenge obviously is how does he bridge that gap from where they are, which is a non-playoff team, to yeah. being a playoff team and then then a contender. But like I didn't think he tried to uh you know oversell in any way. I think he recognized and said as much that there are holes still in this lineup. Uh spoke at length about Abbotsford and the work that Jeremy Colleton and his staff have done down there, and in turn talked about the development and the synergies. And so, you know, there were questions about salary cap management and clearing cap space. And there were a lot of answers about promoting from within and creating that environment for young guys to have an opportunity. Now, we hear that an awful lot 
year over year, especially on teams that didn't have success. So, you know, some of that standard, but I also think the way that their hands are tied with the cap that, again, he's not trying to sell, sell a bill of goods here. I think that they truly believe from the backup goaltender to some of those uh, spots up front that there are going to be competitions that they have added to the depth pool. Uh, they had to. We know that the pipeline's been uh, bare for too long now. And so, yeah, I think I, I thought sort of my my sentiment of today was, all right, like he didn't make any false promises. He stopped short of declaring that they would be a playoff team again next season. And I guess more than anything, and you touched on it and you heard it in the clip there, is this alignment that's within the organization now yeah. from management to the coaching staff to the players and then from the NHL organization down to the farm team as well. Everybody appears to be in lockstep, and you just couldn't say that about this hockey club a year ago. Well, you brought up cap space there, and that is something that they're definitely going to try and tackle this summer, but they tried to tackle it last summer as well and ended up adding to it, which was interesting. <laughs> but at the same time, too, a lot of people are anticipating perhaps buyouts. Mm-hmm. Patrick Alvin, though warned, not very likely to go there. My intention is not to use buyouts. Um, I got the support from from uh, Jim and the, the ownership here to be, uh, you know, to, to, to put up put a competitive team in place here. But my vision too is like, you know, if you do buyouts now, they might they might affect you down the road. And and I just think that this group is. Uh, touching the surface of becoming a good team. So I don't want to use buyouts if we don't have to. I don't want to use buyouts. It's going to affect us in a couple of years when this group is actually hopefully taking off. So as I said, the intention is not using buyouts at this point. And we talked about this many times, and I was reluctant to uh, agree that the Canucks would buy out OEL. I just don't see it happening. And when he talks about, you know, the future – if you are to buy out Oliver Ekman Larson right now, you are with Oliver Ekman Larson tied to him financially for eight more seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, however you want to break that down, it's $20 million and $20.5 million that is going to be owed to the player. But again, you're going to be sitting on that till 2030, 31. <laughs> wow. Like again, you, you just can't do it. So I agree with the general manager. I mean, it was a horrible contract. We know that. But at the same time, too, it it's it, you just you can't buy it out. And there, I know there's probably people saying, "Well, look what the Minnesota Wild did; they had to bite the bullet." It just with everything else the Canucks have right now, they're already capped out going into next season. I just can't. I just I I agree with that. It just doesn't make sense. Right, and my gut feeling has always been that uh, the Aquilinis have lots of money, but they didn't get lots of money by giving <laughs> gobs of it away. I'll take twenty million. If they right, and I'll take it over eight years too. No matter how you come at this thing, that is twenty million dollars yeah. in real, like it's out of an account somewhere yeah. that goes to all the Reckman Now they're going to pay him thirty if he sticks around. Uh, so you know, some people would say, "Hey, it's better to cut your losses," uh, but you know. To hear Alvin say, like he's on the record now, not intending. You know, that doesn't mean that he couldn't double back, and uh, you know, at some point they buy out a player. But you know, that now gives us a bit of a framework heading into the off season of how they're going to operate. And in the same breath, you know, when I said like there was no sugarcoating, he recognizes that there are issues. He went to bat for Oliver Ekman Larson and believes that this is a player that can still contribute to the hockey club, but in no uncertain terms, like most of the fan base. 
you know, he said that OEL season was a massive disappointment. And it was. I mean, that's, there's no other way that you can uh, say it. And with the thing is with him, though, is there something? Like, yeah, the general manager says that he believes in it. We'll have to see if there is something there with OEL. But again, like you are stuck with this. But I don't see any other team that would want to uh, perhaps try to trade for him. Uh, the future of Brock Besser was asked as well. And of course, uh, Besser stating that he doesn't want to be traded from this team. Patrick Alvin was asked about Besser and whether or not, you know, he would be the guy that would help them with their cap problems. Given credit, though, he pushed himself hard. Um, and the last two months, um, I think he played his best hockey since I got here a year ago. Um, I think he uh, understands uh, that there's, uh, there is need to be changes in his, his off-season training to come prepare for training camp and, and uh, you know, get his, kind of get his name back. Uh, but... But again, he is in, a, in an age where, where he should be able to take a next step if he's, if he's willing to, to sacrifice and put the time in in the summer. But at the same time, too, when you look at the ticket that he holds, like that's a lot of space for them to open up. And you know, if, if he's not living up to that, that's going to be the guy that they're probably going to be looking at moving because of the wealth that they have on, you know, on the wing. Yep. But interesting to hear basically the hockey club throwing the gauntlet down to Brock Besser. Like if he is going to be back here, uh, they're expecting a much different. Uh, I don't want to say that he hasn't been devoted to his craft, and we all know uh, what he went through last time around this year. And of course, that was going to impact uh, his, you know, just you lose your father. Like you need time to grieve. And if that impacted his training and all of that, like it's understandable, but it doesn't sound like this hockey club's going to stand for anything but a new look Brock Besser if he comes back. Now, I guess that poses the question, what if they can't trade him and then he shows up at training camp and nothing really has changed? Then you've got some issues because what do you do with him at that point? But I want to believe that Brock Besser is motivated and driven to be the best version of himself as a hockey player. So uh, like so many, and we've kind of had our fun with Rick Tockett and his big summers, but absolutely for Brock Besser. And again, whether it's here in Vancouver or a trade is completed, like wherever he winds up playing next year, like this is a massive summer for him to prove that he still has what a lot of people believe uh, is there, that he can be a better player and be a better goal scorer. Uh, than he has been the last couple of seasons. Elias Patterson, of course, uh, can get into contract negotiations this summer. And if you think back, like this is the Matthew Kachuk uh, summer, right? Where he basically strong-armed himself out, uh, was able to sort of get his free agency a little bit earlier uh, by forcing the hand of the Calgary Flames, not saying that the Vancouver Canucks are going to get that from Elias Patterson. Could always be there, though. And Patrick Alvin was asked, you know, when are they going to start contract talks with EP40? I think the, the the players, the leadership group here, understand my vision and and uh, or process of becoming a contender here. And I think they're the the way they responded, um, you know, especially Quinn, Elias, and and JT was was uh, pretty impressive. Um, so I think they were excited. Um, you know, again, uh, when we when we'll sit down here this summer with with his camp and his agents, and I'm familiar with his Swedish agents as well. So um, I'm I'm excited, uh, but I don't know when we're gonna get uh, you know the, the signature on the paper. There, it's it's a process, obviously. Yeah, and it's one that Canuck fans are gonna be waiting for and to get done all summer, really. Um, you know, there's no rush here, JPAB, but like I referenced with the uh, Matt Kachuk there, like. There's always that in the back of your mind. Like, you know, he sort of set that 
a precedent and other players will see they could follow follow uh, and with the way the Canucks have been with Elias Patterson here like I wonder if there is any of that in his mind yeah I, I look I I take him at face value when he met the media on Saturday I mean he talked about uh, the fact that he likes it here and you know coming off an incredible season I thought it was really interesting to hear Patrick Elmin a couple of times reference the trust that he's building with Elias Pettersson. And obviously that's important. I mean, the player has to believe in the management group. Um, but to hear Elvin say how, you know, that, that group, um, you know, they, they see what he's trying to lay out for them in terms of a, a roadmap to get to uh, a contender status. And so, uh, Alvin ultimately hasn't been on the job that long. I mean, a year and a handful of months. And, and so just, I would imagine that like he knows, he knows what Elias Pedersen means to this team. He knows how important that contract is going to be. And I don't think either side really wants to get it down to the point where it gets acrimonious or that it becomes a game of chicken. And Pedersen's already gone through that process of missing a training camp and that put him behind the eight ball, said it weighed on him, all those types of things. Yeah. Uh, the stakes only go up here in terms of the money and everything else that's uh, you know on the table here. So if they can get a deal done this offseason, he's still got a contract for next year. Yeah. That doesn't impact. He's under contract. So this isn't a holdout situation or anything like that. But just for the good of the franchise and some clarity moving forward, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the storyline facing the Vancouver Canucks here in the offseason. One of the storylines around the trade deadline was JT Miller and all that uh, rumors that he perhaps could be heading to Pittsburgh. Patrick Alvin was asked if he's still listening to calls on JT Miller. Yeah, I, I always listen to uh, to calls uh, to improve our hockey club, uh, hockey club here. Um JT, uh, again, since I get in there a year ago, I think he was traded everywhere, <laughs> all the rumors. Uh, for him to block all that out, uh, come back and be a big part of the, of the leadership group here, uh, the, the game or the, the last 30 games, how he played was pretty impressive. The two-way game, uh, in my opinion, I think it's, it's not that many player with that kind of skill set and the hardness in the league that JT Miller. So, um, I'm very happy to have him here. Um, but, uh, you know, if anybody calls on, you know, hey, Gretzky got traded too. I, I'm not saying I'm not going to trade him, but I'm very pleased to have JT Miller in Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Invoking the old yeah. Gretzky, if Gretzky can get traded, <laughs> anyone can. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this though. I mean, again, like it, it would be very surprising to me if they were to make this sort of deal because of the fact that, and we're going to get to uh, the 3C here in just a moment, but then you'd have to fill your second line center right. as well. So again, the deal would have to be something that completely works for them hockey wise. Because it's not going to be, you know, a picks uh, package like we heard perhaps Pittsburgh was offering. Uh, that was like just to sit there and and that was one of the few times that he squirmed a little bit in the press conference. And they look, he and Tockett were at the podium for close to an hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, he was so in his head trying to make sure that he didn't say anything that was going to you know, further the story or put gas on the fire. And so ultimately he comes back to the old, Hey, if Gretzky country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of the talk, of course, uh, around whether or not the Canucks are going to get a backup goaltender as, you know, are they going to bring in a veteran? Are they going to get Arthur Seelofs to press? Maybe it's going to be Spencer Martin. One thing that I thought was revealing here from Patrick Alvin is that, 
we know something they're not going to spend on the position. I don't anticipate spending a lot of money on, on that position. Um, uh, but I do think that, that we, we need to evaluate what we have here. And, and uh, again, a big part of that is, is uh, watching Abbotsford here in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, kind of thinking about this a little bit, you know, I, I agree with them. Don't spend like, what is a million dollars maybe is your, is your budget on something like that, if not a lower, but maybe, maybe Archer Seelofs is ready for that backup position. I know you and I talked about the fact that, you know, you like to see him sort of slowly marinate in the AHL, get himself to that level. But then I thought back about Thatcher Demko and his days backing up uh, Jacob Markstrom and how it didn't really hurt his development, although he had put in his time in the AHL too. Maybe another season is best for Seelofs. But again, what the general manager revealed there is that, yeah, it is not going to be somebody with any sort of, uh, uh, you know, price tag attached to them. Yeah, I thought he spoke glowingly about Arthur Seelofs. And I know the organization's high on Seelofs. Uh, and he said, like, if uh, he comes to camp, you know, we have no concerns whatsoever if, you know, he plays his way onto this team. Now, you say that about a lot of young guys, but, um, yeah, interesting the, the thing about not planning to spend much on the backup. So uh, I, I just wonder how much do you owe that core group that they talk about repeatedly in the leadership group? They just came through a year where, and I understood it, and in fact, I endorsed it, that they didn't have a lot of money to spend they decided to go with an unproven guy on basically league minimum. And obviously you're hoping that Thatcher Demko is going to be healthy and be Thatcher Demko. Then that went out the window and we know how the season went. So I, I like they weren't prepared and they got burned. It was a calculated risk and ultimately goaltending let them down uh, once Demko, and Demko didn't have a great start. We know that. But, but once he got hurt, the season was effectively over. How do you look that leadership group in the eye? How do you look Elias Pedersen in the face telling him that, you know, we believe that you're the guy that's going to lead us to the next levels here. Oh, and by the way, we're going to do it without a safety net. I, I just don't think you can go back to the team and ask these guys to put up 100 points or Quinn Hughes to put up close to 80 and JT Miller get to 80 and Kuzmenko is, you know, knocking on the door 40 goals. And, you know, we need you guys to do that again, but it may get derailed because we're not going to have a capable, competent backup. So uh, I do wonder what they learned from this season. And I mean, I think Artur Silovs projects to be a national hockey league goaltender. Uh, and maybe it's as soon as next year. Maybe it is. I, in my mind, I always thought one more year of being the guy, but look, if Abbotsford has a nice playoff run and you know, a lot of it's on his back, he was named MVP of Abbotsford, by the way. So um you know, he's on the track. There's no question. And maybe it is as the backup next season, and that would be cost effective. And I think that this organization probably has a little more trust in him. But but I think you also have to be careful. Like, we liked what Silovs showed in these five games, and he saw the Bruins, and he saw the Rangers. But we liked what Spencer Martin showed in six yeah. games as a yeah. Vancouver Canuck. And that's where people, you know, small sample size for a reason. And so I still, like, I, I think Silovs, he's younger, obviously. Uh, to get games and wins in the NHL at the age of 21. Like, you know, it, other guys that have done that recently have generally moved on and, and forged really strong NHL careers. So, you know, he's on the path that way. But, yeah, that's going to be certainly something to watch uh, without a doubt. You know, do you go, and as Alvin said, he doesn't want to spend a lot of money on it. You know, I don't think Colin Delia would be spending a lot of money, but is Delia the best option to re-sign him as the backup? Um I, I think it'd be a tough sell to come out of training camp with Spencer Martin as the backup 
the way his NHL season ended. But yeah, let's see how it all plays out. Uh, certainly a position to watch for them. And, you know, and you think, oh, back up. It's not that big a deal. Oh yeah, I think yeah. we found. I think yeah. we found out. Yeah. We all found out uh, it could be a huge deal for a hockey club. Uh, one of the uh, areas that they're going to have to fill as well is down the middle and the third line center position. Uh, Patrick Alvin asked about how big of a priority that is going to be. You know, obviously we, we haven't uh, a third line center uh, is something that uh, we're discussing here. Uh, do we have that internally, or do we need to go outside to find that? Uh, you know, we were excited about some of the, the younger guys on the, on the back end there. Breespa, uh, uh, Yulson, uh, you know, Burroughs got a chance to play on the right side and, and fitting in the system here and did really well. Um, got a taste of Hirose, McWard, uh, Raddy. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, we were, our job is to, you know, uh, Rick and I haven't really, we had the players exit meetings here. We're going to sit down and go through, um, or line up and, and our needs and, and potential, um, and see what's available out there. Justin Dowling was the, uh, he kind of veered off a little bit there. Well, yeah. <laughs> we need a third line center. Yeah. Call the defenseman that yeah. played for us this season. Noel Jolson's a young guy still. I, 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 I didn't know that. Um, yeah, Justin Dowling was your top center in terms of production down in the AHL to, uh, this year at 46 points. Uh, I know he did mention a few other guys there. Um, I don't think it's in the system right now, J Pat. I mean, I think Atu Ratu might be the guy eventually that they'd like to at some point, uh, have a, be a part of the NHL club, but uh, I don't think he's there yet. I mean, yeah. And I will, I, I, I don't know if I was disappointed, but. Like both Elvin and Tockett, like at one point Elvin talked about Nils Amon and the season that he had, and then Tockett talked about third line center, and I, I want a guy that can take some faceoffs and and like to me they need a third line center that can produce, can make some of those wingers that they've got this surplus of wingers, get them yep. the puck and put them in scoring positions, and then if and I'm knocking on wood as I say this, something happens to one of the centers above you in the lineup that you can slide up and you're not going to replace Pedersen or Miller, but you can hold your own and play somewhat of the same kind of style. Uh, and that's that's where depth comes into this thing. But the idea of you know just finding a third-line center that can win you some face-offs, like, like, I, I worry a little bit that they're going to think that Nils on as this team progresses. I don't think he's got the offensive ceiling. Uh, again, I liked a lot of what he brought as a rookie and should be better with a year under his belt, but I'm not sure that there's a whole lot more for him to give offensively. And if you put him with a Connor Garland or a Brock Besser or something, like I don't think that he's going to be distributing the puck and, and putting those guys in positions to to generate a lot of offense. So uh, I hope that they don't fall in love with Nils Amon. In my world, I think Alvin's job is to go and find somebody that can come in above Nils Amon in this lineup as this roster progresses and gets better. Yeah. Uh, of course, the tankists wanted the Canucks to tank once they saw the season go the way it did early on here. Everybody's yelling for it. Uh, Connor Bedard sweepstakes, this and that. Well, they chose not to, and they ended up having themselves a, a decent end to the year. Patrick Alvin was asked, why not the tank? On our core guys, they were trending the wrong way. Uh, the energy level here, uh, walking into Rogers Arena, there wasn't much of a trust. Uh, we felt that when Rick was available, uh, and he was at that point, that that was the right choice for us. Uh, um changing the culture, taking a step, changing the standard, getting the players uh, to continue to push themselves and improve. Um, 
we had a, a very depleted lineup the second half here, uh, where guys were, were, you know, shut down with injuries, and, and uh, we tested a couple other, you know, younger goalies. Sealoffs get a lot of ice time here as well, as, as same as the back end. Uh, a couple of defensemen stepped up here, so I I have a lot of respect for the players in this league and the integ- integrity of the players and and uh, in the league. Um, I think, you know, we approached it here that, that this is a mindset moving forward and uh, the players really responded well. The first part of that, just the players coming in, not a lot of trust. I mean, it's the same group of players that are here. The only thing that really changed was the coaching staff there. So I, I don't, I don't get where the trust was lost there, or maybe he's more or less talking about the trust between the management team and the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, he has really, since we could read the writing on the wall that Bruce was not the guy for the job, uh, you know, the organization has talked about like the safety of the players and they need to feel safe coming to the rink and young players needed to believe that they were a part of the group. And, um, you know, so you kind of left like safety, like, you know, that, that, that's a, a strange word in my mind. And, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, clearly it, it's not just a, an isolated incident. Like he's mentioned that word about players feeling safe in the environment. So, um, you know, ultimately they're trying to build cohesion. As we said, that more than anything right now, I guess is probably the best thing that they've got going for them as an organization is that it does feel like there is some real alignment. And when the farm team was in Utica, that was never the case. It was, they were way over there and, you know, the big league team was here on the West coast. And uh, it does feel like they have made that a priority. And by bringing Rick Tockett in, he was their guy and that helped with that whole streamlining process. But, you know, you're never going to convince the tankists that what they did was flat out wrong. And I guess ultimately we'll see where the lottery balls uh, slot them uh, when the draft lottery comes up on May the 8th. We do know that the Abbotsford Canucks have made the playoffs once again, and uh, their playoff series against Bakersfield will start on Wednesday in Abbotsford. Here's Alvin, who's excited about Abby making the playoffs again. Yeah, no, uh, very excited uh, about the opportunity here for for Abbotsford, and and more so uh, with the with the staff that that I have now, the communication. Uh, you know, the twins uh, are up here working with the big guys and down in Abbotsford, and and they really know the players really well, and the players feel comfortable too. Uh, Ryan Johnson have done a really good job. Um, I, I've been impressed with a lot of players down there. Um, you know, uh, Linus Carlson is uh, coming over from Sweden. I believe he played every single game there, uh, which which is a credit to to him. Uh, I thought he had a good training camp and and. Uh, uh, at the Raddy, uh, another young player. He played World Juniors in August. He, he, sometimes you forget how young they are. Um, I think he's learning um, and growing in his role there. Um, Baines is another player that, that took major step. Uh, I think he needs a good summer. Um, we're excited about the, the college free agent signing uh, in Max Hassan. Uh, getting a chance to to uh, to learn the system and how we want to play, and I think it was the right step for him to to go to Abbotsford right away. Um, Hoglander, uh, you know, got to remember Klimovic too. I mean, he scored sixteen or seventeen goals here. Uh, 
being only 20 years old, he could still play junior hockey. Um, you got to be patient with those guys. You're going to surround them with, with, with good older leaders um, and, and have enough coaches down there to work with them. So, uh, yeah, and, and then on the back end, Jet Wu, um, Philip Johansson here, and, and Rathbone, those guys have been, uh, you know, uh, according to the information I got, be, been really, really consistent and improving there. So, so definitely, we're excited about uh, this week and and uh, the first game here on Wednesday. Yeah, and they should be. I mean, uh, what they've built out there in Abbotsford is a, is a good thing, and they they needed that alignment with their AHL uh, franchise, and they've got it now. But a lot of the names that he did rattle off there, and one of them in particular being Linus Carlson, who. I mean, I thought we thought was a center at one point, but it's been playing wing down in the AHL. Now he had 49 points in 72 games. So he was the highest scoring forward on the, uh, Abbey Canucks. But again, like a few of the guys that he also rattled off there in Klimovich, who had, he did 17 goals in 67 games, which is nice for a young player. But uh, all these guys are wingers. <laughs> Again, yeah. they just got a wealth of them down there, but they do. But, but when he rattled off all those names, I will say as a fan, I think, people have the right to get excited because most of those guys are legitimate prospects. Now, they're not all going to pan out. They're not all going to have long NHL careers. But even as recently as a year ago, if you look at the leading scorer for the Abbotsford Canucks, you know, Sheldon Rempel, Sheldon Dries, Nick Patan, John Stevens, Justin Bailey was on that list. Like, all those guys were over 25 where they have done a nice job of stockpiling under 25 guys who still have room to grow and to develop. And and I do think the hiring of Jeremy Colleton was a stroke of genius on the part of the Canucks to get an NHL coach, uh, you know, youngish guy still in the coaching world with, I think, lots of room to grow and develop himself. You heard him name check the Sedins, Ryan Johnson, the work that's gone on. Again, it all comes back to this sort of uh, streamlining the organization and to have the twins at the big league level, but also head out to Abbotsford all the time. And so, yeah, I mean... It, you know, year two out in Abbotsford, but it does feel, and, and it feels like they got something good going on. And I hope for their sake and uh, for the player's sake and Abbotsford's sake that they have a lengthy playoff run. Like, I think it'd be fun to have some uh, AHL playoffs uh, out in the Fraser Valley. They didn't get a playoff game last year. They had to go to Bakersfield and they got swept in the, the first couple of games. That entire series, it's only three games, but all three of them are scheduled for uh, Abbotsford. So uh, if it goes the distance, they, you know, well, they have home ice, obviously, but uh, they would have home ice in the deciding game, and you'd like to think that would serve them well. So, yeah, it'd be kind of cool if their farm team, obviously no playoffs at the big league level, but uh, it'd be cool if uh, the farm team could get on some sort of postseason run. Yeah, well, speaking of playoffs at the big league level, uh, they were talked about it last year when they did their exit meeting, saying, you know, that is the goal. This year, though, uh, they stopped short of any promises. I could tell you one thing. Every time... Um myself and the coaching staff are walking in there. We're walking in with a mindset to get better and be a playoff contender. Um, you know, that's what we challenge each other every day to find solutions here. Um, I'm a process driven person and I believe, um, if we gonna, you know, make steps here, we're going to do the right things every single day. And, uh, uh, starting next year, training camp, I think, I think the coaching staff here got a, uh, head start here, um, over the last, I guess, four months. Uh, uh, and I'm excited about coming into training camp because their knowledge now about the players and what we need and how we need to play. And also for the players understanding what the coaches want to, want to, how they want to play. Um, our job is to get better from game one to game 82. 
Um, I, I'm very excited about the core of, of good players that we have here, and I don't see a reason why we can push uh, uh, coming into game one next year. Well, and this is the thing. Like this, Now it's them. Like Everything is in place. That is theirs. Right. So you can start from here if you're Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford. I mean, in terms of the head coach, everything they've brought everything into place is under their control. Yeah. And again, word choice. And maybe we split hairs and focus too much on what's said rather than what's done. But, you know, he said, my job and the coaching staff, we come to the work every day to get better. And we want to be playoff contenders. People want them to be Stanley Cup contenders. They don't want them just contending to make the playoffs. They want them to make the playoffs and have a team that people can believe in. And, you know, there was another answer where he alluded to that as well, that, you know, he wants his team when it gets to the playoffs, whether that's next year or, you know, a year beyond. Like, he doesn't just want them to be in the playoffs and one and done. He wants to have a team that, you know, has legitimate belief in itself and a real possibility to make something happen in the playoffs. So that remains the goal. Again, they're up against it with a cap. That's going to be his toughest assignment here in this offseason is to better this team with the cap constraints that they've got. And some of that was inherited, but also some of it is of their own doing. Lastly, from Alvin here, just his message to the players on their way out. We got four and a half months off here. So our message to the players yesterday, what are we going to do here in the summer? It, it's up to you guys where you guys can dictate where, where this team is going. And uh, I'm excited with the response from the players, but um, I'm sure we're going to, you know, continue to work with the players. The coaching staff will continue to work with the players during the summer, uh, different ways to do it um, and, and see where we are. This summer talk, like it's, <laughs> it's sort of, it's geared towards specific people though. Right. Like it, like Connor Garland's going to do what Connor Garland does and come back and be Connor Garland. Like we know what he is. Yeah. Right. So it feels like this is sort of specifically targeted at, at people to take that next step, whether it's, you know, Brock Besser or, or even Elias Pettersson. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I mean, they'd love Elias Pettersson to take another step, but I think they'd sign up for the same Elias Pettersson for the next bunch of years. Uh, you know, I don't know how much challenge there is for him to up his game necessarily. Uh, he's pretty driven himself, but yes, Besser without a doubt. I think Kuzmenko gets sent home with a pretty stern warning that 39 goals was great, but two ends of the ice, you know, don't lose sight of that fact as you train and prepare for, for next season. Uh, I would say guys like Nils Amon and Dakota Joshua were both nice stories, but there was inconsistencies in their game. I, I think Amon needs to put on some weight like just to bulk up a little bit, a pretty wiry guy. Dakota Joshua has a big body, but I think he could probably stand to, you know, fill out now that he has a baseline of a full season in the National Hockey League. And then there was all those other guys that were given opportunities and, you know, in and out of the lineup, whether it's Studnika or Kravtsov, um, you know, they've got decisions to make on some of these players. And so... Yeah, I mean, we joked about the big offseason, the coaching, you know, the challenges constantly. But without a doubt, like this seems to be another one of these themes. They've talked about it enough that you guys didn't make the playoffs. There are 16 teams that are starting their postseason run. There's going to be four that get down to, you know, the final four and then ultimately two in the Stanley Cup final. They're going to have short offseasons, you know, if there's any sort of positive spin on missing the playoffs it's that you can get a head start on some of these teams for next year that seems to be the message whether the players believe it whether they buy into it whether they put these four and a half months to good use i guess we'll find out when they report for training camp 
But that seemed to be a central theme in the message that the players were left with as they did their exit meetings here over the weekend. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's choice for free casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. Let's hear from the head coach now. I liked this question because you asked it, but uh, at I the like same that time, question. I like that question too. <laughs> at the same time, too, I wanted to hear the coach's response on this. You talked about, or you asked him. You know, he said, "I got to get uh, the minutes down for my top players," and then he ended up playing them like crazy down the stretch. So you asked him, like, "What happened there?" Here's what Rick Tockett had to say. Well, I think as the process uh, was going, they deserved it. They deserved it over other guys, um, and I, I, I think that uh, you know. The PK was really bad here, and uh, when you know I send those two guys out, um, it started to get some traction. Other guys started being better in the PK, so that helped. Um, the five-on-five five play from other guys helped. I thought Quinn Hughes, uh, who played a lot, um, he elevated his game to another level. So I, it was hard for me to back those guys off. Um, you know, uh, for me to go in there and back those guys off, I don't know. You know, there, there's integrity and character, and I think they they saw that they were responding to what we were doing, and I couldn't back off. Um, and I wanted to push the other guys to to fight for ice time. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, uh, but that's kind of my feeling. You were able to do it for 36 games. Can you do it for 82 games, though? To, uh, for those guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. Uh, that's four and a half months off. You you train for it. You know there's going to be an un, there's an, it's not just those guys. It's it's our team. We have to go to uncomfortable levels and pain to get to the the way we want to play to be in shape. Yeah, I mean uh, you know, but obviously we have to have other guys fill the minutes. Absolutely. I mean if I'm going to play those, you mean play those three guys every night the same? Absolutely not. But uh, to win hockey games, those guys are going to have to get a lion's share of ice time for sure. Yeah, we batted this around on, a, on pods before, though. I mean, it was just a quick realization that, listen, if I am going to be able to compete in any of these games, I've got to ride these guys. Yeah, I, I thought fascinating answer, though, from Rick Tockett. And that's why I asked the question uh, to hear him say that, like, you know, you're trying to build this bond with these players and they're just playing their hearts out every night. And they're responding to all this ice time. You know, you can't then go to them and back them off and maybe you lose that trust a little bit. Um, and certainly like Quint Hughes, you know, he thrived with that ice time. Like he could handle it over 36 games. My concern is if they think they're going to be a playoff team next year, 
you know, you can't go to that well 82 times and then think that he's going to have something in reserve for the games that really matter, the playoffs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go about that. But I like the idea of, you know, by playing these guys, you're challenging the others. But essentially, like, hey, these guys are playing for me. You know, will you step up? And and so he was challenging other guys to play better to earn some of that ice time back for themselves. So interesting sort of dynamics uh, and just the, the mindset of a coach as he's operating down the stretch here. Uh, again, I think he played them too much. I, I, and yes, they responded. And yes, they played well for him in games that didn't matter against uh, a lot of inferior opponents. So uh, that all has to be taken into account. But I do think less... A little less. Nobody's saying don't play them much. A little less could be more in the long run, though, uh, for Rick Tockett and his best players next season. We know how big of a summer Rick Tockett has presented the <laughs> players. yes. <laughs> but uh, he talked about it. It's not only for the players, though. It's going to be for the coaching staff, too. As much as I give it to the players about, hey, this is a big summer. It's a big summer for the coaches. You know, they have, they're going to have some projects, too. You know, we're not going to be lying on the beach for four months. Like, we got we got a lot of stuff to do ourselves. Um, so yeah, saying that, um, I'm really lucky because I got a lot of good guys behind there that have a lot of good, uh, you know, ideas, you know, we, I'm a, I, I like ideas and, and a lot of different ways of doing things, um, instead of doing the same thing. Um, I think you have to evolve as a coach. Well, yo and talk it better get some sunscreen for the Ooh. bald heads there, yeah. right? you know, yeah. get a hat or something, one of those, uh, bucket hats or something, but yeah, listen, uh, yeah, of course it's going to be a big summer for them. There's I mean, I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure on this team, but I think there is, like, really from the fan base, because like we've mentioned before, like, you've got the pieces in place. Now, they are an incomplete team right now, but fans in this city are sick and tired of being here in April and not being able to enjoy the playoffs, not being able to get excited for the playoffs. Like, it's a big year for them. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about, like, Sergey Gonchar would probably bring some Euro flair to his beachwear. Oh, you think uh, so? The other guys, probably board short kind of guys. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Banana uh, hammock, perhaps? Oh, <laughs> let's not go there. But, uh... <laughs> That's as zero as it gets right there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Rick Tockett, though, you know, talking about next year, and I said, like I said, you know, big uh, pressure for them to try to get in. Just make that step. Be somebody that competes, like the GM said, to be a playoff team. Rick Tockett asked about what his priority is for next season. Empowering that leadership group, you know, take them to a different level um, is something that uh, is a priority for me that they've worked on with me and the staff. Um, so that's pretty well the, the one thing that uh, I guess that's the priority for me. Because it's gonna, it's gonna feed everything else. He was asked about the captain as well. I know there, there's a timeline on on the next captain. He mentioned Quinn Hughes's name first, yeah, but it was with Elias Patterson and JT Miller sort of tied into that as well. That is clearly your leadership group, obviously, right? Yeah. But the fact that he mentioned Quinn Hughes, I thought was. I know, and everybody's trying to read into all the clues of order of, you know, Quinn Hughes grabbed the microphone in the home finale, and that made him the captain in waiting, in waiting, and now the coach mentions him first. But then he, you know, and I, I followed up with, like, are you going to have a captain next season? And he wouldn't commit to that. I mean, I think he will, and it will come from that group. But it was interesting. He wouldn't go on the record today saying, absolutely, uh, we're going to start next season with somebody wearing the C. But again, another really, I thought, interesting answer. It was pretty wide open about, you know, what's your priority? Empowering that leadership group to go even further. Like, you know, clearly he sees yeah. something there that's uh, 
you know, three pretty special hockey players and he's played with the best. I mean, he played with Mario and, and Yager and he knows what, you know, the best players on a team can do. And trust me, I'm not comparing what the Canucks have to Mario Lemieux, but I'm just saying like, you can't really go as far as your best players are able to take you. And he doesn't seem interested in broadening that leader. Like it's those three guys and he is all in on those three. And I mean, from that, you would think that JT Miller is going to be here next season with the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, again, if Gretzky can get traded. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so could JT Miller. <laughs> and JT Miller, uh, he's one kind of guy that likes to prove his doubters wrong. So does Rick Tockett. He talked about that at the presser today. There's there's a lot of different narratives painted. You know, why didn't you tank? And is it just a coach's bump? And it's all the stuff we hear. And I love that stuff because... That should fuel the players, and it fuels me. Uh, we can change the narratives to whatever guy people say. So, um, saying all that, it's been it's been a great experience for me, um, a learning experience too, and, and dealing with some players and evaluating players. But uh, we got a long way to go, and that's we all know that. Um, and where we take it, it's you know, it's it's up to us to change these narratives. Yeah, long way to go for sure. And it's been a long wait for these fans for the playoffs. So, you know, I'm just wondering really, like, yeah, they got a long way to go, but how long is that leash to get there? Yeah, I, look, I, I believe that with Thatcher Demko for a full season playing the way he can with Quinn Hughes and then the addition of Philip Peronic, and then up front, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Andre Kuzmenko, and others, the, the framework is there for this to be a competitive team. Patrick Levine said, what, we were five or six wins away? Again, I think any team, no, not maybe the true last place teams. I don't think Anaheim could make this argument. But, you know, the Canucks had all those leads early on. If they had won three of those games instead of squandering, I think they, they multiple leads got away and they lost in seven of their first 19 games. So just give them three wins there, just for the sake of the argument. Give them three of those wins then you need to find three more wins over your final 60 games with a healthy Thatcher Demko. Like, it could have been done. But the damage was done early, and then Demko got hurt. And so, you know, again, I think the framework is there. But as Patrick Levine himself said, like, there are holes in this lineup. He recognizes it. Now he's got to go and find a way to take a team that underperformed at 83 points and get them where they need to go. So I think it can happen next year. I'm not going to go and make any rash predictions on April the 17th. Uh, we'll save that for training camp. But but I, I do see a path. You know, you always have to look at, okay, if the Canucks were to get in, who comes out? And that's a part of a different argument as well. You have to look at other teams and where they are in their competitive cycle and all those types of things. But I, like, I was looking at it this morning. Elias Pettersson had 102 points. There are only six teams that are in the playoffs that had a player with more points than Elias Pettersson. So 10 of the teams that are starting the playoffs didn't have a guy as productive as Elias Pettersson. There is no team in the playoffs with a defenseman that had more points than Quinn Hughes. Uh, Eric Carlson was the only defenseman that did. They're not, the Sharks aren't in the playoffs. And then he was tied with uh, Morrissey in Winnipeg. So nobody had, like, so, like, again, these are incredible building blocks. An 80-point guy in JT Miller and Kuzmenko, who got to 39 goals in his first year. Uh, there's a ton of teams that would kill to have that kind of foundation to build around. Uh, and that's the job now for Patrick Alvin is to get this thing right and to make the improvements necessary. Uh, but again, so much of it starts with the health and well-being of Thatcher Demko. And as they saw this year, no guarantees. 
Uh, just quickly on health and welfare of players, Alvin was asked about uh, both Tanner Pearson and Tucker Poolman, said too soon to tell uh, whether either would be a candidate to play for this hockey club next season. Uh, he said Travis Dermott left in good spirits after his exit meeting. Uh, Alvin said he thought he had a really good training camp, and then uh, we know what happened late in the preseason and played 11 games total uh, and just was never quite right. So, you know, no decision on the future of Travis Dermott, but uh, that was the update that at least Dermott seemed to be in pretty good spirits. And another guy that I think would be in pretty good spirits is uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. We learned uh, there's no HL playoffs for him that uh, he was papered down to Abbotsford, and I'm sure the Abbotsford Canucks would love to have him, but uh, the team basically has a nod to the way he performed down the stretch. Uh, Phil and his wife just had a baby, and as new parents, uh, rather than you know requesting him to go back down to the minors, I think there's waiver considerations in there as well. But uh, I thought that was a nice nod to Phil DiGiuseppe and how hard he played for Rick Tockett, and clearly Tockett appreciated all of that. So, uh uh, his season is done, and they hope that Vasily Podkolzin will be ready to be assigned to Abbotsford here any day. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Okay, uh, let's get to a Bodog line, and I want to get to a, a couple of poll questions that we have out. One that you put out on your own a Twitter account, at Patterson Jeff, that's one T in Patterson. Uh, but my line of the day today, as the playoffs are about to kick off, while we're recording here, about five minutes before the uh, first game, but my line of the day right now is this one, and this is just dripping with value as well. McDavid, Kaprizov, Pasternak, all to score one goal or more at plus 590. That to me, I mean, it's a tough one. You got to get three guys to score, but I mean, McDavid, Kaprizov, Pasternak, all goal scores. So I like that line today uh, from Bodog. As far as our uh, poll questions are concerned, let's start with yours. And it says, uh, learning from this past year, what is the best option to fill the Canucks backup netminder spot next season? You gave four option options, re-sign Colin Delia, Spencer Martin, Archer Seelofs, or sign a veteran UFA. Uh, 18, oh, close to 1,900 votes are in right now. Where do you think the people are at? Or have you already taken a peek at your own timeline? Yeah, I mean, the last time I looked, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the pod, so let's not go too deep uh, again. But uh, I, the last time I looked, people were on uh, them going out and signing yeah. an unrestricted free agent. But it's close, though. That's 31.6% right now, sign a veteran UFA. People are into Archer Seelofs, perhaps, being there at 30.1. Colin Delia's getting some love at 23.4, though. It's a good poll. I like that. You gave uh, some balanced options. They don't believe in Spencer Martin, though. Uh, on Rinkwide Vancouver at Rinkwide Van on Twitter, it's being reported. This is our poll. Uh, it's being reported that Elias Patterson has agreed to play for Sweden at the World Hockey Championship, and we asked, "Is that a good or bad decision by Petey?" Kind of knew where this was going to go. It's an overwhelming good decision at eighty-six point five, and in fact, like some people are upset even about the question. 
That said, though, when we heard what happened with OEL and his foot and how it set him back and the fact that this is perhaps, you know, a con- big contract, like he's going to try and get a bag this summer, uh, Elias Patterson, you know, I thought it was fair to ask that question. The people believe that it was a good decision. What do you think? Good or bad decision? Well, I'm down watching more Elias Pettersson on big ice, more room to roam. Uh, like He's got a contract for next year. If he was an unrestricted free agent, he probably wouldn't go. That's uh, just kind of conventional hockey wisdom. So uh, I think people, like, there's so much talk about the contract, but he does have a deal in place for, yep. for next yep. year. Uh, and injuries, that's a fact of life. It does happen. You certainly hope that it doesn't happen to Elias Pettersson, but you wouldn't uh, want it to happen to anybody. But uh, in a contact sport, there are going to be uh, injuries. So, you know, I, I think he prepares himself, trains uh, hard, wants to represent his country. Uh, worlds are in Finland and Latvia this year, so it's not, you know, certainly not onerous travel for uh, Sweden or any of those countries that uh, are there. Um so why not? I I have no issues with it whatsoever. Uh, and selfishly, I'm just down for watching more uh, EP40 Magic. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Lastly here, the playoffs are just about to kick off. So let's get into some playoff talk. And we're presented by uh, Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. I want gut reaction picks for the first round. Okay. I'm going to start mm. in the West. Vegas, Winnipeg. What do you think? Vegas. Do you want to give me games or no? No. No, all right. Edmonton, LA. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what this looks like stylistically. I mean, I know what both teams want to do. I, I, I have to think that the Oilers are going to get yeah. past the Kings. I'm with you on both of those. All right, Colorado, Seattle. Um, I, you know, I, I think Colorado wins, but there's something about the be- the depth and the balance of the Kraken that yeah. like, I, I don't know if it's going to be easy for Colorado, and I, I just don't know the health of a lot of their guys. They say they're healthy, but they've missed a bunch of time. I mean, the Avs get through the first round. Uh, beyond that, who knows? But uh be fun to see the Kraken in the playoffs for the first time. I think this series has the potential to be the best in the West. Minnesota-Dallas. Yeah, I could go either way here. I think I'm going to go with the Stars. Um, there's some health concerns with the Wild. Um, and I'm curious to see how the Wild sort of unpack their goaltending. Uh, do we see both their goaltenders by choice or by necessity? Um but somehow, some way, and I know that the Stars didn't impress me that much when the Canucks played them this year, but I think there's enough there uh, with the Dallas Stars. I look at a guy like Miro Heiskanen, who I think uh, can dominate a series from the back end. So I will take the Stars. I think I think I took the favorites in all four of those. Yeah, we're aligned with all those as well. I believe uh, the Stars are going to get through. There's some people that think that Dallas uh, potentially could be the team that comes out of the West. I know yeah. you and I weren't overly impressed with what we saw against the Canucks, but uh, let's see what Dallas is like in the playoffs as well. All right, over to the East. Toronto-Tampa. Is this the year that they finally get out of the first round, those Maple Leafs? I think it is, yeah. I, I, I've i kind of, in my mind, have uh, accepted that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, I think, they, <laughs> I think they get by. Uh, yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Boston-Florida. Boston. Yeah, me too. And I don't even think it's going to be a series. I think Boston's going to make short work of them. Uh, Islanders-Carolina. Uh, Carolina, they've like, I'm prepared to be disappointed and underwhelmed by Carolina in the playoffs yet again. Uh, and no Sashnikov, but I think they'll get past the Islanders. So I think they get out of the first round. See, this is the one I think I'm going to go against John. I, I yep. think they're going to get goalied. I think the Islanders are going to be able to pull that one off. And lastly, Devils Rangers. 
Looking forward to it. I just love the dynamic of the two New York area teams going head to head. I have to think that experience is going to prevail here uh, with the Rangers. Uh, I think the Devils are an incredible young team. So many good young pieces that for years to come uh, are going to be a handful for the National Hockey League. But uh, the Rangers were built to win last year. They came up well short of that. But uh, I, I just look at that roster. I think the Rangers could be a dark horse, quite frankly. Um, they need some things to fall their way, but uh, I think the Rangers will beat the Devils. See, I'm the other way. I think the I think the Devils could be one of those teams that could be the the dark horse. They kind of remind me of Seattle in terms of like they're probably just happy to be here, but at the same time too, that just who cares? Like, there's no pressure on them, right? No, so I, look, I, I I'm not doubting the Devils again. I think for years to come, they're going to be one yeah. of the best teams in the NHL. I do think that there is something about playoff experience, though, and and so... New York's just, got it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I, that's why I think, but Devils have home uh, ice. It starts at uh, the Rock, and we'll see if they can take advantage of it. Rangers have to win. Uh, in today's NHL, though, like, home ice matters, because you obviously you want it for Game 7, but I almost feel like you have to be prepared to win two games in the other team's buildings that, like... You know, they're really the, the dimensions of the rink are all the same. Like there isn't that home ice advantage and good teams are good home and away. And very rarely do we see the home team hold serve right through a playoff series. So I think when you go in, you know, in the back of your mind, you have to recognize even if you have home ice, you're probably going to have to win at least once in the other team's building. Well, it's one of the best moments on the sports calendar. The first round it of the NHL indeed. play. The NHL playoffs are fantastic, but that first round is just yep. so unbelievable. And it starts tonight. But once again, the Vancouver Canucks will not be there. All right, J-Pat, it's been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores. <laughs>